0: Nobody gave a shit
1: about reboot when we first came up. Anyone with half a brain, myself included, thought it was destined to fail spectacularly. But you got lucky. All you motherfuckers are gonna pay. You are the ones who are the ball
0: lickers. We're we're making a podcast. Please clap.
1: And welcome back to a very powerful episode of the Reboot Deboot Podcast. I'm your co-host, Griffin. I'm here, too. Alex, is this more more powerful than usual? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's a powerful transmission. They're all powerful, Alex. Hmm. Okay.
2: Just How you been, buddy? Yeah, good. I got a new... Uh... Got to do arm for my mic. I have one of those boom arm things attached to my desk, but the, uh, the old one got a little weird. I, oh, sure. It was squeaky, and so I tried to, like, I got some, like, lubricant and put it in the joints, but then they were, like, they were too smooth, so it got kind of floppy. Like, I'd move the mic oh, up to sure. my mouth, and then it would drift away. Not even Right. Slowly, just, like, really quick. So I got a, got a new one. It holds in place now, and it's not squeaky. Nice. Yep, big upgrade. We're all <laughs> doing big things here at the reboot Mood Studios. Yep, that's a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with me? I don't know. Uh Yeah, I don't
1: What did you do for spooky day?
2: I went to work uh it was, it was a Wednesday. I went to work, got home kind of late, took a shower, ate dinner, and went to bed. <laughs> pretty. It was a. It, pretty, was, a Tuesday. Oh, it was Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. Yeah, it was a pretty normal day for me. What about? Did what you watch you know? anything? Uh, no. I don't think so. Really?
1: No. Like, and not even the Charlie Brown Halloween special.
2: Yeah, I get home. I'm tired. I only have like an hour or two before I like to be in bed.
1: That's fair. Okay. I you
2: know, get a shower. I um, get a dinner in there
1: not a lot of time left. Alicia wanted to watch Alien. So we yeah. watched Alien. We watched Friday the 13th Part 2. Uh, we watched an episode of The Outer Limits, oh. an episode of Tales from the Crypt, Ooh. and then an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Nice.
2: I guess I did watch X Machina on Monday. I hadn't seen that before. Pretty okay.
0: Um...
1: Yeah, it's been. A, it was just kind of a slow week. Um, I really feel like there was something, but I guess not. I guess it's just been kind of, kind of a standard week. You know, sometimes things don't happen, like nothing of note. So we just kind of hung out. Um, I'm writing another horror book. So the original horror book uh, has been renamed, and that's coming out soon. Um, there's only like literally two pages that need to be edited. And then I can start cover design. And then uh, I will release that. But I'm working on another one separately. Um, yeah. Yeah. Been in talks on Twitter with some peeps about maybe some future episodes, uh, guest appearances and whatnot. Um,
2: oh, have yeah. Have you watched any of the fall of the house of Usher? Yeah. I have not.
1: Okay. I am planning on it. It's like what, 8 episodes? I think so.
2: Yeah, I watched the first one. Pretty cool so
1: far. How was it?
2: It's yeah? good. Lots of fun uh Poe references in there too. Oh, obviously. Some one off some like mini stories. It's cool.
1: Now that's uh, Who's presenting that? That's
2: a I think Hulu maybe or Amazon. I don't fucking know, man. Mm. No. Mm.
0: You okay. Netflix? Netflix. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yep. Are there any movies coming out that you're interested
2: in? Uh, not that I've seen. I don't I don't catch a lot of trailers. I don't I don't really. I don't know. I don't, are you into the Agatha Christie novels at all? No, but I do like a mystery or like a who done it kind of thing. Is there So,
1: there are 3. Um agatha christie movies with the new hercule perot there is like two or three years ago they did midnight on the or murder on the orient express Uh then a year ago they did death on the nile and then released on halloween this year a haunting in venice and i'm actually a huge fan of these movies uh we just watched a haunting in venice yesterday and it was really good like very good Okay. Um, I would check all three of those out, actually. I think you'd really enjoy it if you're into like a good old Who Done It. It's like a more serious version of a knives out film. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. So pretty pretty solid. Cool. Um, yeah, aside from that though, uh I don't know, man. Like it's kinda usually I get excited because you know, like early 2024 like you start seeing the movies and the trailers and you start hearing stuff that ramps up there's nothing really that's like grabbing my attention
2: yeah kind of saying I don't just googled upcoming movies there's some stuff that I might be into Mortal Kombat 2 apparently next year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but otherwise I don't think there's anything coming up that I'm like super pumped about I don't know yeah kingdom of the planet of the apes <laughs> <My> yeah <favorite. laughs> <I did>. yeah
1: <laughs> for, for, for all of our uh review demon listeners we did an episode on planet of the apes if you want to go in the back catalog and find that yeah
2: i i don't know i don't i haven't heard of any of these movies that google is trying to show me except for some of these sequels to really big movies mm-hmm. but yeah whatever i don't know
1: Whatever, Brahim. I
2: got a Criterion channel subscription. Uh, oh hell yeah! Some
1: cool stuff on there. Hell yeah! Have you watched Infernal Affairs Part Two and Three? Oh
2: no, that's what I got to do. No. Um. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll do that over one of the holiday breaks.
1: All right. Well, let me know if you do. Um, this is not a casual movie uh, chat show, though. Uh, Alex, why don't you uh, mosey on down to the fire pit there and tell our <laughs> tell our audience our ears what we're gonna be yarning about today? Well, for this day we True
2: Grit. <laughs> True Grit. We watched True Grit, and that was my Jeff
0: Bridges. Or, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know what I'm, yeah we'll we'll talk all about Jeff Bridges' voice um, it was a 10 out of 10 yeah, it was definitely 10 a out decision of 10. that was made <laughs> 10 out of 10 uh, impersonation man thank you um, Alex what is your experience with True Grit uh,
2: pretty much none I remember when the 2010 movie came out
1: I remember I remember a lot of the
2: marketing around it being is like, it's super dark and gritty. This movie is going <laughs> to fuck you up. Uh, you know, Because it's like the Coen brothers and they do some sure some wild movies. Wasn't there like No Country for Old Men too? Um, so, yeah. And I knew it was a remake at the time, I guess, because I think they kind of advertised it that way. But I had never seen mm-hmm. it. I didn't see it then. Um, hadn't watched either of them until last Sunday. That was pretty much it. I, I was vaguely, well. And then I knew there was a book, but I think that also came up in the marketing of the 2010 one. So that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. What about you?
1: Um I never saw the 2010 one, and I'm only pop culturally aware of the nineteen sixty-nine True Grit. Like mm-hmm. I I know the fill your hand, you son of a bitch. And you know, um It's John Wayne and Clint Campbell. Like I I was aware of all the moving parts, but I'd never seen it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, Overall, before we dive into like true great, are you a western guy? Do you like a western? I like a western, but I haven't
2: seen a ton of them. Um, Oh really? Probably only a handful. Okay, I think we have a new theme. Westerns. Yeah, we could probably. Do like months of those? They've been remade. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I like Rio Bravo. It's a fun one. Um, I don't know, Unforgiven, like later, sure the time, but it's pretty classic. Um, so yeah, no, I had I had not seen this, but felt like a very classic western. Watching it '69 one, anyway.
0: Mm. I would say. I would
1: say compared. So I'm 35, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for a person my age or around my age, I'm a pretty big Western fan. But I think to the generation above me, I'm not a Western fan at all. Oh God, yeah, with, like like with, like, with the fast. amount of
2: Westerns, like right? <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of hours of Western movies.
1: <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, I've seen like Unforgiven, Tombstone. Oh, Tombstone, um, yeah. classic. But I've also gone back and watched like Sabata. Right, or uh
2: man with ombre the high yeah, Good to yeah, be
1: like, like that stuff. the uh, river runs through it, uh yeah, all like yeah, yeah, Jorge and I did a whole like month of watching westerns to write a script, and we wanted to like get the vibe down, so yeah i i've I'm a western fan for my age range, I think, yeah, um, so are you a John Wayne guy? I find him
2: odious as a person, but he's played some cool characters. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, that, okay, yeah, that's fair. I think that's that part fair.
2: Where he tried to chase that Native American woman off the stage at the Oscars or whatever the fuck that. <sighs> I don't think he'd come back from that. Quite frankly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it seems like a big old <laughs> asshole really
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's uh But he
2: comes off as less of an asshole than Glenn Campbell in this movie. I don't know anything about Glenn Campbell personally, but in terms of the character. Sure.
1: Uh so True Grit 1969 is based off a uh 1968
2: novel of the same name. Oh, was that close to the movie coming out? I did not know that.
1: Yeah. Within a year. Um, So John Wayne won an Oscar for True Grit, and he would reprise the character in the 1975 sequel, Rooster Cogburn. Did Kim Darby get any awards? Because for me, Maddie was like the best character in this movie. (laughs) I love Maddie. Uh, She did not. That seems like a bit of an oversight there. Um, so I have some fun facts. Well, I have some facts about <laughs> True Griffith. Anyway, about horse abuse? <laughs> uh, no, no horse abuse. Okay. Um, so, uh, John Wayne was only briefly seen in close up whenever he was riding on a horse. Cause in reality he was riding on a trailer. Uh, his stunts were performed by Jim Burke. Okay. John Wayne had initially promised the role of Matty Rice, uh, of Mattie Ross to his daughter, Aissa Wayne. But the director Henry Hathaway refused to cast her. Good for Henry. I think that was a good decision. <laughs> uh, Elvis Presley was considered for the role of the Texas Ranger La Beef. Oh, however, yeah. <laughs> however, Colonel Tom Parker, his manager, insisted that Presley receive top billing, and the part was given to Glenn, Pan- uh, Glenn Campbell instead.
2: Yeah, that would have been weird if Elvis was in this. Cool, but weird.
1: Uh, When accepting his Academy Award for his performance, Wayne said, Wow, if I had known that, I would have put the patch on 35 years earlier. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Despite its commercial success, John Wayne was not pleased with the finished film, and he greatly disliked Kim Darby's performance. And while promoting the film for the U.S. release in June of 1969, he told interviewers that he starred in much better films.
2: Wow, what an asshole. Okay, yeah, I feel justified. I feel like my prior has <laughs>
1: been justified here. Uh, the character of Rooster Cogburn was supposed to be around 40. John Wayne was 61 when the film was made. Dude did not feel for Like, <laughs>
0: a lot of city miles for 40.
1: <laughs> Jeff Bridges was 60 when he played Rooster Cogburn in the remake. Jeff Bridges Rooster Cogburn, definitely.
2: There's a part, like, towards the end where he's running where I thought he was going to have a coronary, and that's how he (laughs) was
1: going to end. John Wayne was disappointed by the casting of Kim Darby as Maddie Ross, (laughs) and the two hardly spoke off camera.
2: Oh, well, because he wanted his daughter. Man, fuck you, John
1: Wayne. The character of Maddie was supposed to be 14. Kim Darby was 21 when the film was made, and she'd already given birth to her first child. Damn, okay. Uh, so, um, Marguerite
2: super young. And I kept on thinking like, what a good child actor. It's very funny to know. She's a full on adult. She's a full on adult (laughs) with a child of her own. Okay. Uh,
1: so, um, I'm going to butcher this first name and I apologize, but, uh, Marguerite Roberts was a formerly blacklisted writer due to her left wing politics. And John Wayne, who had extremely right wing politics, knew this before he read the script. He read it and liked it, and he ignored people who said he shouldn't work on anything that a blacklisted writer wrote.
0: Hmm. Okay. According
1: yeah. to Scott Eamon's biography on Wayne, Roberts was not herself blacklisted, but was married to a blacklisted John Sanford. And uh, Wayne wrote to her in early 69, calling her screenplay magnificent and hoping she might write another such screenplay with him in mind.
2: I would like to shit-talk another one of your movies after it's done filming. (laughs) Please give me this opportunity.
1: So uh, while John Wayne and Henry Hathaway didn't think much of Kim Darby's acting abilities, she had nothing but praise for Wayne, who she said was wonderful to work with. However, she told producer Halby Wallace that she never wanted to work with Hathaway again. Um, Glenn Campbell later said that I've never acted in a movie before and every time I see True Grit, I think my record's still clean.
2: Yeah, he's pretty solid. I mean, he plays a creep <laughs> but he's good in it. <laughs>
1: uh, John Wayne actively campaigned for the role of Rooster Cogburn after reading the novel. This is the only film which John Wayne has ever won an Oscar for. It was his second nomination. The first was being The Sands of Iwo Jima. Um, director Henry Hathaway did not like Kim Darby and felt she was wrong for the role of Maddie Ross.
2: Yeah, great man. She is so good in it. I, <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> did everyone Robert want John Wayne's <laughs> kid to Duh. be in it?
1: Robert Duvall, who is in the film and still bald, later complained about Henry Hathaway's directing style, saying he would tell Glenn Campbell, "When I say action, you tense up. God damn it." <laughs> um that's so weird at the 1970 academy awards john wayne accepting for best actor whispered in barbara streisand ears, beginner's luck Hmm. Uh, kim darby said that john wayne was nice to her and a pleasure to work with uh always first on the set and one day after the film was complete paramount held a photo shoot for the top stars in addition, Wayne and Barbara Streisand, Clint Eastwood, Goldie Hawn, and Robert Evans in the middle. Darby was off on the sidelines watching. When John Wayne noticed her, he stopped the photo shoot and brought her over to be the center of the picture.
2: Well, that's that's nice at least, good for so. Good for um, that's weird how contentious this was. <laughs> I know.
1: I I know. Um, John Wayne did not originally want to wear an eyepatch. Sally Field was up for the part of Maddie Ross. Uh, and Oh, during filming, Kim Darby was in the process of div- of divorcing Jane Stacy.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, those are uh, those are some of your facts. Okay, cool, wow.
1: So, um, that being said, nineteen sixty nine True Grit, man, what'd you think?
2: I thought it was fantastic. I loved it, like mostly because of uh, Kim Darby, that Maddie Ross character, like in this iteration of it, specifically. is so just so cool.
1: Yeah. yeah, I actually agree. I was going, I'm like, okay, I'm older Western, I'm ready for this. I was not ready for Kim Darby as Maddie Ross. I thought she was the fucking backbone of this movie.
2: Yeah, she, she really is. And like in every scene she's in, like... She's so good. The first 40 minutes of the movie is pretty much just like watching her run circles around every adult that she interacts with. And it's... Yeah!
1: Hilarious. <laughs> it's great. To, like, they wrote the character of Maddie Ross. Like, she is the, she, is, she has adult sensibilities, but she still has that childlike sense of naivety and like honest intentions. like she yeah. has a very clear goal, she doesn't want to deviate, and she believes the world should work one way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very earnest. Um, yeah, a bit naive. Um, just and so, so fucking determined,
1: God damn. So, deter- okay, so for people who haven't seen True Grit 69 or 2010, uh, walk us through the plot of True Grit, Alex.
2: Yeah, so we start out with this little, like, little home on the prairie kind of thing, and uh, and there's a father and he's leaving with his like hand, his helper, and they're gonna go do some, they're gonna go buy some ponies. <clears throat> um, so this is like Maddie Ross's slash Kim Darby's dad is going to do this. Uh in that first scene we see like Kim Darby is inside the house and she's doing like bookkeeping. She's like like balancing the family's like financial affairs and like handing her dad cash to go spend on these horses. Um dad goes they do the deal with the horses off screen and then him and his helper guy uh yeah, he had a dumb name. What? Tom Chaney? Tom Chaney. Yeah. Uh are like in town after that. <clears throat> Tom Cheney is playing cards at a saloon. He's getting pretty drunk and he's losing a lot of money. Um, so Mister Mister Ross, like he tries to get him to leave the place. They leave and then Tom Cheney basically like whips out a gun and says he's going to go in there and get his money back. Uh, Mister Ross stops him and he ends up getting shot by Tom Cheney. And then Tom Cheney flees. And then the rest of the movie. It's like smash cut to. There's not like a funeral or anything. It's just like kid, Maddie Ross is now in town. Um, she's there to like ID her dad's body, and then she is going to hire someone to go and hunt down Tom Cheney. And so the rest of the movie is pretty much Maddie Ross and the guy she finds, John Wayne, Richard Cogburn, uh, going through is their word going into Indian country to hunt down this Tom Cheney guy, and then. Glenn Campbell shows up. He's a Texas Ranger named Labeef, but it's spelled Laboof. Um, he throws in with them to go and hunt them down too. He's kind of a, he's like, he's definitely more handsome than Rooster Cogburn, but he's also like pretty creepy. I don't know if it's one of the, I don't know if he was meant to be creepy at the time or if it's just like a retroactive, like uh, looking back on it kind of thing. But he keeps on talking about how he's like, I don't know. He just has some very untoward things to about Maddie. Um And then they, they kind of go off into the wilderness to hunt down this Tom Chaney guy. And that's the rest of the movie. <clears throat> that about? I mean, that's like the plot outline. Right,
1: right.
0: Yeah. So,
1: uh...
2: What were you expecting before you went into this? I don't know. I thought it was just... <clears throat> I thought it was going to be more about like John Wayne's Rooster Cogburn kind of doing badass Western stuff. I and mean, I guess and that is mm-hmm. part of it. But I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting Matty Ross, I guess. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised by how good that character was. And, yeah, the Maddie Ross
1: character elevates the movie.
2: Yeah, I think it'd be pretty. If it was just about Rooster Cogburn chasing down some outlaw, I think I would not care so much.
1: Right. Like I so Matty Ross tracks down Rooster Cogburn because he is a man with true grit, they say. Yeah, she but she she goes down really, to
2: and she's asking she asks this dude like who's the best uh US Marshal here right now. It's like John Wayne is a US Marshal. She asks like who's the best US Marshal? And this guy's like, Well, you know, Steven's the best at tracking, uh Rooster's probably the most of a bastard, like among he's like the meanest one. And then uh, but best overall probably this guy Steve and she goes, Okay, where do I find Rooster? Like she knows yeah. what she wants. <laughs> she like said, Stevens will bring him in alive. Yeah, she says that like Rooster gets his guy
1: but almost never alive, and she's like, Where's this man? Um and really true like Maddie has true grit, right? Yeah. Like, like Rooster is yeah.
2: almost I mean Rooster is still like very good at his job, but he's like uh, almost crippled alcoholic.
1: Right. Uh, like, Rooster's got one foot in a grave, the other on a banana peel. Like, he's, yeah, he's on like, his way out. He's sleeping in the storeroom of this. Oh, God. The, a- the Asian man?
2: Yeah. Um, what was the, is the cat named Colonel Stormhill? Uh, uh, Price. Prince. Colonel Prince. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he, like, he's still... Then we see it in the movie. He's still, like, good at what he does, but he is
1: mm-hmm. a little rough. Uh, and Maddie's carrying around her father's Colt Dragoon. Yeah, it was a big-ass gun. It's like the length of the forearm. It's a badass gun, too. Those things were savage when they were around. Fun fact about the Colt Dragoon, uh, they, are the, they are the closest weapon that people believe the Stephen King's The Gunslinger uses. Huh. Stephen King never really um, identifies the, or he identifies a made up kind of cult, but the closest thing we have in history to the uh, revolvers that the gunslinger uses are cult dragoons.
0: Hmm.
2: Dude, what are you? Okay, I tried briefly googling this, but I couldn't figure it out, um, or I couldn't come up with an answer. But so there's this part where Maddie's identifying her dad's body, and the fucking Undertaker is in there. Like she's like, "Can you?" Ad- he goes, like, can you identify this man? She goes, yeah, that's my dad. He goes, okay, well, you could kiss him if you like. Sure. What? That's in both movies, so it feels like it was maybe yeah. important, but I, is this a tradition?
0: <laughs> um, so it,
1: used to be, it, it used to be a thing. It used so to be. Like, says you, you, he you, says it, like, three times in the remake. It used to be a cultural thing. Yeah, like, you kiss the dead goodbye. It was brought over um, the Irish and in the Indian. Like, the Irish and certain tribes were said to have done it, but I'm not sure about the Indian tribes actually doing it. But I know for a fact that it is an Irish tradition to kiss to kiss the dead. Yeah, okay. Well. Um I so I I I was like is this yeah. a small question? I mean in 18 what? Like 60 something? Sure. Yeah, maybe. You know. Uh we get to see some hangings in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Some good yeah, old yeah, hangings. The yeah, whole town comes out the
2: like tries to find this judge or this like sheriff or something at first but everyone's basically taking a siesta to watch these hangings happen everything in town you know that's where the
1: term money for old rope comes from
2: i wasn't aware of that being a term but sure
1: okay well money for old rope if you ever hear it used or if you use it yourself it means like oh that's just easy money like that's that's money for nothing you know um, so Money for Old Rope came from hangings because after the hanging, the hangman would cut up the noose and then sell sections of it off to the crowd as a souvenir. Grim. Okay. Uh, but so yeah, so uh, the hunt is on for the man who unjustly killed Matty Ross's father He ran off to Indian country. The, Indian coward, the
2: coward Tom Chamber <laughs> um.
1: uh, Is that a Billy the
2: uh, no, that's just a thing or... that—that's just the thing that Matty Ross says. Oh, okay. My father was killed um, by the coward Tom Cheney.
1: <laughs> I like—I still like using cowardice as like a term of deg- oh, yeah. like denigration. It's a good one. There's
2: lots of good insults in here too. I like it. Uh, so, like after Glenn Campbell kind of hooks up with them and they're traveling, like John Wayne and Kim Darby will like team up and kind of bully glenn campbell about being from <laughs> texas it happens so uh, many times yeah. but it's really fun to watch every time it happens Uh,
1: dude okay so can we there <laughs> so glenn campbell is a texas ring. and yeah. when he first meets maddie ross at the the, the 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 in the keep the hotel or innkeep for the night or whatever yeah the yeah. There's a really uncomfortable line where he's like, "I was thinking about stealing a kiss from you." She is supposed to be 14. So... Oh, I
2: know. That's why I said he's a creep. And they kept that exact lane for uh, for Matt Damon. They
1: at, like they t- they towed the line, but then later, so uh, Maddie has finally made her deal with Cogburn, and she goes to like fish him out of his stupor. Yeah, and the reason this
2: Texas Ranger is there, so there's, like, Maddie is paying Rooster Cogburn to hunt this guy down. They end up at the deal where she's going to give him $50 now and then $50 once they take Tom Chaney alive and bring him back to West Ham or wherever the fuck, whatever town they're in that's closest to Maddie's house. She's really determined she wants to see him hanged for killing
1: her dad in this town. She's from Yale County in Arkansas.
2: Yeah, Yale County, but they're bringing him back to... Fort Smith. Fort Smith, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Glenn Campbell is this Texas Ranger who's been on Tom Cheney's trail for, like, months now. He's gone by... Tom Cheney's gone by several different names, and they're after him for killing a state senator, I think. Yeah. Uh, or, like, a state representative. This guy, this Tom Cheney guy, like, killed this dude's dog, and when the guy got up to protest, he shot him, too, and then he's, you know, on the run. Real real mean dude. Um, and Glenn Campbell wants to bring him back to Texas because there's a big reward if he was brought back alive there Um, and that's why they have like their lots are thrown
1: in together so So now we find ourselves at like a river crossing after Rooster Cogburn and uh, Labeef have decided to team up to go track this guy down yeah and after giving
2: Maddie the slip right like
1: yeah they Rooster Cogburn alerts the ferryman that there's going to be a runaway coming around here. And along this time, Maddie has shown herself to be uh, level-headed, responsible, and she will not take no for an answer.
2: Yeah. And this is, like, I think the first scene where you're like, oh, and she can back it up, too. That's really
0: cool.
1: Yeah. She
0: well,
2: she that.
1: also has the threat of her lawyer, uh, Mr. Daggett.
2: I love, and I'm kind of bummed <laughs> they didn't keep this in the in the remake, but, like, I love... It's, you know, it's revealed at the end when the lawyer actually shows up, but I, it's like the entire movie, I thought it was just an empty threat that was like very funny for a small child to be making the entire time. Like, sure. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to sue the pants off of you, basically. Uh, right. <laughs> or like when she goes to do the, there's a scene where she's, she needs to get money for a rooster. She's like, I'll have more money to do it like tomorrow. I <laughs> right. To do some horse trading first. And I wrote down in my little notebook. I was like, is she mean literal horse trading? And then, yes, she goes to like negotiate about horses. Um, and threatens like threatens legal action there too. Uh, she
1: browbeats that like the fucking horse owner, man. Yeah, yeah. It's that like, scene is really <laughs> really fun. <laughs>
2: I, <laughs> Kim Darby is Matty like, Ross is like, fantastic. The floor with him, it's really great. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, so she, you know, with her tenacity, with her, she is a girl of true grit, and yeah. she, uh, you know, she's Um, Rooster Cogburn has told the ferryman that there's going to be a runaway running along to us. And Rooster is trying to give her the slip. Maybe he's going to take her money, but he is going to get the job done. He just doesn't want to have a child get in his way, basically. Like, we're going out here on a manhunt. Ain't no room for a child. Yeah. Natty, on the other hand, sees it as, I paid for you. You, I am your like. I am your employer, and I want to physically see this with my own eyes done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh So she gives the ferryman the slip, casts her horse, Little Blackie, oh, into gosh. the river with like herself along. They swim across the other side and okay. catch up to uh, Cogburn and Labith. Yeah, She fords um, this
2: river on horseback, like water <laughs> up to her and the horse's neck as they swim across. Um, Which,
1: I, every t- yeah, character. every time Maddie does something, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, she yeah. is awesome."
2: She's a badass, bad at naming horses, though. Not a fan.
0: Oh, <laughs> and it gets it's worse than the 2010 worse. one. Yeah,
2: I have a little list yeah. of all the like where they just sort of added like racist microaggressions into the movie. Sure, there's, like, a number of them, oddly. But oh
1: yeah, yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> so. There's so at this moment, like she catches up to our two cowboys, our two cow folks, our two bounty hunters, and uh she's like, "I'm going along." And at this point, they try to lose her on horseback. But uh, Maddie no, Ross is also a rider. Is this before
2: or after that weird spanking thing?
1: Oh, this is where, before because this she catches up to them, but they ambush her. Oh right, and then it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: then there's a really uncomfortable spanking that Labeef, like yanks her off her horse <laughs> grabs it, like cuts himself a switch and then he starts spanking her, which it's not comfortable to watch and in the 2010 one, it's less comfortable. Yeah, it gets worse somehow. <laughs> it gets worse and I, I, I specifically know why it gets worse in this 2010 one. Um, um,
2: was that like a conscious decision they made to make him weirder?
1: In in 2010, that girl's actually 13 years old in real life. Ooh, Haley
2: Steinfeld. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. Haley Steinfeld is actually 13. Well, yikes! I hope not. Great pretty, yeah. like, stick down <laughs> his pants or something. <laughs> not great, Matt Damon. Not great, Cohen no, Brothers. No, the fuck no, you guys I mean, do not, with your lives? Yeah,
2: I don't think that scene needed to be in there, especially with like be the beef being kind of like you know, it kind of saves the day at the end. So.
1: Yeah, I so he spanks her and she's like, Marshall, are you gonna watch this? At which point Rooster Cogburn has a oh, little bit don't of think his I will. Yeah, yeah. Part, you
2: can see he's starting to warm up now. He's like he looks like genuinely impressed when she fords that river. Uh
1: he do, he even says she reminds me of me.
2: Yeah, yeah, that part I thought was really nice. Um that was cool.
1: Uh so he stops the spanking. And Labeef is like, she's going to, she's gonna no place here. And John Wayne's like, here's what we're going to do. Like, we're not like, we're going to sleep on the ground. Ain't going to be no hot meals. We're just going to cruise around uh, until we get our man. Um, there is some great lines too about like, so they're cowboys and they drink. And Maddie Ross prefers buttermilk, but they don't <laughs> have buttermilk. And she's fine with that. <laughs>
0: yeah. But
1: there's a great conversation because Rooster Cockburn an alcoholic and when he offers her a belt she goes you think i'd put a thief in my mouth to steal my brain oh yeah she doesn't like like, that's such a good line so
2: good she must be like part of a temperance movement or something but like she yeah she's there's a few times where you get the sense that like okay kind of a maybe like a strict christian or
1: something sure
2: very into murder (laughs) yeah
1: eye for an eye right yeah (laughs) um so, along the way, they're tracking, and from there, it's just you know, beautiful sceneries of Arkansas and, oh, God, and those, Oklahoma. Those mountains
2: look gorgeous, and every time they do like a wide shot of a <laughs> oh, man, and then there's you know, classic country movie sort of uh, soundtrack playing, like a little bit of sure
1: going on. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's super pretty. They're in modern day uh, Oklahoma and you just get these beautiful vistas and there's some like cowboy wisdom along the way. Um, Chasing eventually,
2: Ned Pepper and the boys. That's Robert Duvall. <laughs> Robert Duvall, yeah. That's did wild. you recognize I, him? I did not, not at all, but apparently Dennis Hopper is the guy Moon too. I didn't recognize yes. either of
1: them. but Yeah, Dennis Hopper is Moon. Moon. Dennis Hopper and Robert Duvall would be in another movie together.
2: Uh, secondhand Lions.
1: No, that's Michael Caine and Robert Duvall. <laughs> they
2: were in Apocalypse Now. Oh, right, right sure. Yeah. You yeah, know, almost as good as Secondhand um, Lions. Uh, how dare you? Um, was Moon one of the two guys that they meet in the dugout? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I definitely didn't recognize
1: uh, It was Hopper Quincy before. and Moon.
2: Quincy and Moon. <laughs> yeah.
1: <sighs> it's Quincy and Moon. And then yeah, I mean it, it's just like from there on it's classic like chase down the bad guy until the bad guy gets cornered. With a little bit and of odd a
2: lo- couple thrown in there. Glenn Campbell is like yeah. constantly whining and complaining about how or like they'll be sitting down at night to camp, and you'll be like, you know, Texas <laughs> Rangers would never make a fire this big. It's, uh, <laughs>
1: we, you ought to be thankful Texas. to have running stream like that.
2: <laughs> I love that. In line my country,
1: <laughs> if the kind of water we get, i have to drink out of a hoof print, and that I was be, thankful.
2: Yeah, <laughs> And then what does John Wayne has that line about? You yeah. know, it's funny that every Texas Ranger I've ever met has said the same thing about drinking out of hoof prints
0: yeah he's
1: off. if i ever meet one of you texas boys who ain't drink out of a hoof print i'm gonna buy you a charles webster cigar <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah the uh the banter back and forth between john wayne and glenn campbell is pretty fun and then like i said when when maddie ross and rooster get together to bully glenn campbell also very fun to watch because they so, yeah. a little <laughs> ways through the journey like it's like pretty clear that rooster cogburn and maddie are getting along pretty well um and then Campbell is like getting a little weird about it, right? I don't remember if it's the movie scripts are very similar, so I don't remember if the scene was in both of them or not. Uh, he,
0: yeah, the, he's the,
2: he's getting upstage. The scene where LeBeef kind of like flips out, and he thinks that like Rooster is trying to make him look like an idiot in front of this tiny right. Child. That happens in both. That is in both. Okay, that's another point. I was like, dude, come on, you're such a fucking creep. This is so weird. uh, (laughs) Yeah,
1: there's a scene where they're all sitting together camping at night, and Rooster is mocking the Texas Rangers, (laughs) and he's like, Rooster, you just, or he's like, I don't need to listen to the opinions of a drunk man. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to make me look foolish in front of the girl, and Rooster Cogburn goes, she doesn't, or she doesn't need me to do that for you.
2: Yeah, I think she's got. Like, I think she's got a uh, on you on her own or something. Yeah, yeah that part's also very good. But the Glen Campbell being all weird about, you're making me look like a fool in front of this child. <laughs> the implication being, you know, like and like you said before, he like thought about stealing a kiss, but then he wanted to get the <sighs> shit out of her. It's just, it's all a mess.
1: It's yeah, it's not great. Um, the character of the beef, despite him kind of saving the day later, not great.
2: Yeah, and he's like such a, you know, such a hottie in the movie. He's got his big old quaft like hair and stuff. Big uh contrast to rooster. He's also yeah. kind of not slurring his speech the whole time.
1: Right. Yeah, um, and from here it's, you know, typical Western. We do get to the final gun down where uh you know, Rooster squares off against Lucky Ned Pepper. <laughs> For runs those guys on horseback. Yeah. <laughs> and the class, like the, you know, the classic line of "Fill your hand, you son of a bitch." And you know, oh, it's yeah. so good, so good to hear it, so good to see it. Yeah. Jeff Bridges does not deliver it in the same way at all. That line is, up there um, "I'm coming, and hell's are coming with me." Yeah, it really is. Uh, so, Maddie, uh, at a certain point, the trail goes cold. And um, Maddie goes to fetch some water by the river, and she runs into the man she's been chasing all yeah, the time,
2: just by happenstance. Tom Cheney is, and
1: she ends up clipping Tom Cheney in one of his short ribs with her father's <laughs> gun. That's that scene is right. Like, I've been shot by a child. <laughs> yeah. he's
2: like, he's I like... didn't think you'd do it. <laughs> he's just like dumbfounded, looking down at his gut where he got shot Uh, (laughs) just
1: like skulks over towards her oh man there is now the writing in this movie is okay the writing in 2010 is really awkward there are entire segments of conversation the way they speak
2: yeah and it's because a lot of it too like 80% of the movie is like line for line the same Um, but the 20% that
1: isn't like there's an entire scene so in the remake Josh Brolin is the man they're chasing Qu- and, wild but, that Josh Brolin is I, in this
2: role. For, he's like he's on screen for five minutes, maybe.
1: I know. I'm like.
2: <laughs> they also got that, J.K. Simmons to do the lawyer voiceover, and then he just yeah. doesn't appear in person. He's just the voiceover. That's, yeah, I but don't. It also I don't ruins know. the lawyer joke in the first like five minutes of the fucking movie, which was kind of a correct, which pissed me off a little bit.
1: Um, but th- there's a scene. Well, we'll get to it in 2010, but the yeah. way that he speaks makes him seem like I got kicked in the head. Um, <laughs> yeah, a few people sound like they got kicked in the head. You know? <laughs> so, I can't tell you how much True Grit 1969 was made for, but I can tell you how much it made. Okay. Uh, it made $31 million. Seems like a lot for the 60s. Or for... S- seems like a lot for the 60s. Um, Maddie LeBeouf gets a, falls into a dang snake pit. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Lebeef dies while saving her. Um, Cogburn kills all of his outlaws, and uh, they are returned back to their normal life. Well, Natty so, is, put but not, not before
2: there's a crazy like mad dash run where so she falls oh, down orcs, this pit a and blackie. gets bit on the hand by a snake, and then Richard Cogburn kind of field dresses the snake bite, but then they have to like rush to the closest doctor they can find. Which is a dude who works out of the store somewhere in the territories that they stopped at earlier in the week, So he just does, does this mad dash on the back of Little Blackie, the smaller horse that Maddie has been riding the whole time, and he rides the horse
1: to death, right? Like yeah, yeah, like taxes it to death as which... Maddie Ross is screaming, "No, no, Little Blackie, no!" And they do that in 2010, but they somehow make it more traumatic, so much worse. <laughs>
2: I was like, oh, the horse only passed out in this,
1: uh-oh. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. Um, it's a weird choice in the remake. <laughs> so it ends with Rooster Cogburn now back in his Chinaman shack. Okay. Um, and he <laughs> Is that not how they're referred to him? They do. I just, I would stipulate.
2: That's a quote from the movie. Uh, yes. Not a, uh, that's
1: uh, not me. So, yeah, I'm um, quoting
2: the film. Um, um yeah. And the little wrap up where Rooster is like talking to Maddie on her farm. Uh, she's yeah, well, we at the, meet the lawyer. Yeah. The lawyer finally shows up. That cracked me up. <laughs> we, I wrote that in my notes and all caps. Lawyer. The lawyer is real! <laughs>
1: he ends up paying on behalf of Maddie. Uh, Rooster Cogburn gets an extra $200 mm-hmm. for bringing, for saving her life.
2: Yeah, that was great.
1: Back in her homestead, Maddie and Rooster are there, and Maddie shows Rooster Papa's grave and Mama's soon to be grave, and then Maddie's grave and her brother's grave. And she offers Rooster a place in the plot.
2: It was so sweet. So that he
1: is not alone in the afterlife.
2: Such a good ending to this one, and a way better ending, again, than the 2010 one. Yeah. I mean, it's like. (laughs) The 2010 one was bonkers at the end.
1: (laughs) It was. It is all in all. I had. I didn't. I. I. I I've seen John Wayne movies and yeah. I've seen westerns, so I, w- I knew roughly what I was getting into. I did not expect the character of Matty Ross to transform True Grit 1969. It's not just a western. It's not just like another Clint Eastwood or another Robert Redford. Or it's transformative because of the character of maddie ross yeah
2: she really is like the main character john wayne is gets top billing but he's basically there like as a support character for her um right it's her story like she's kind of the main character in the whole thing and she i don't know is like one of the best actors in the whole th-
1: fucking thing too she's so good. for 21 years old she is great and, like, to be starring along, you know, Glenn Campbell and John Wayne, I mean, all these other s- established actors who've done movie after movie and award winners and all this. And then Kim Darby comes up and she's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play ball and I'm going to match you guys, if not better than you. Yeah,
2: like, knowing this was a John Wayne movie going into it, I was kind of like, okay, probably going to be a pretty decent Western. I was not prepared for how much I
1: would like this movie, though. N- yeah, neither was I. It almost makes me want to see Rooster Cogburn. Almost. Yeah. I'm not going to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it almost. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know if I would like watching Rooster Cogburn on his own or without like a Matty Ross type character there. Because otherwise, you're right. watching like a mean drunk.
1: Well, the other thing too is that John Wayne died in 1979. Oh, who plays Rooster, Rooster Cogburn, Cogburn? came in 1975. Oh, is it still John Wayne?
2: Is he like at death? Yeah. Horror? Okay. Yeah. So,
1: um, I don't know, man. It was, it was an unexpected surprise. And I always like when the podcast pulls an unexpected surprise, like you recommended True Grit. You were, you said True Grit. And I was like, yeah, I'm down for a Western. You picked an amazing Western, my friend.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Totally unintentional. I, you know, the first one I Honestly, I was expecting this to kind of go the other way for me. I thought I was going to be like kind of meh on the original one and then thought that maybe 2010 one's going to be really good cuz again, like the advertising at the time made it seem like it was going to be kind of a much sure. different movie than it was. Um but yeah, this one really blew me out of the water. This was like yeah, I I love these surprises too. I put this up there with like the Manchurian candidate and sure. the uh Goddamn, with the Thomas Crown affair in terms of movies, where I was like, just like, whoa,
1: that was really good. Yeah. I, yeah, I get it. I can see why, like, Kim Darby should have got the Academy Award, right?
2: Yeah, she's great. Like, like, no
1: disrespect to John Wayne and his career, but Kim Darby stole the show. Carrie's the movie. She's the fucking (laughs) backbone of the whole thing.
2: The only, like, the only reason I care about what's happening is because (laughs) Kim Darby's there.
1: And it's, It's Kim Darby, but it's also, she's supposed to be 14, but it's, like, the way they made that child. Like, she's not going to take shit from these adults. She's living in an adult world. No one pulls their punches with her. And she's able to, like, you know what? This is my line, and no one is going to cross it
2: she's such an adult the whole time there's but there's like this one scene where she goes to the boarding house and then that woman gives her her dad's possessions because like that's where she and she's like sure. she pulls up that it's like she's finally like by herself for a minute and she pulls up that locket and then she's like cries for a bit and then yeah that's like the only emotion she has the entire movie but I was like and a really powerful there
1: are th- there's other moments too where like you, so when she gets captured, when she gets taken by Cheney to the Ned games, and the boys. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's even like, "Do you need a good lawyer? I have a great lawyer who will." And she's like trying to make deals with them to save her life, and she's yeah. like that's still like the naivety. Like any adult would be like, "I'm fucked," but Maddie Ross has this childlike sense of the world where it's like, "You don't have to die. I can talk to my lawyer," and and like she's talking to Ned Pepper. And she's like, I shot him in the short rib. And he was like, it was those marshals who shot. Like, why would you tell a story like that? Like Maddie Ross has this great sense of the world and it shows her being young and innocent. And Ned Pepper's like, I don't need a lawyer. I need a good judge. And it's just like, oh man, she is, Kim Darby is so good.
2: Super confident and self-assured and like never visibly flustered by anything. Like frustrated sometimes by Rooster being a drunk, uh, but (laughs) right, which is fair. Yeah, totally fair. (laughs) And
1: even too, like when when she shoots and she's talking to Rooster about the dragoon, he was like, "Well, it misfired on you, huh?" And she goes, "Yeah, because you loaded it wrong when you were drunk. (laughs) Like it's not my fault the gun misfired. You're the one who fucked it up." Like, doesn't he say to you, he's like Well,
2: you'll have to show me how to do that sometime," or yeah, maybe she shows him how to
1: load (laughs) the gun. It was very fun. And uh, it, it's weird to see like it, it's weird to know the hatred for Kim Darby. Yeah. That like bonkers. the director had and then John Wayne had. It's so and, weird.
2: Like, maybe they didn't like being upstaged by a 21-year-old woman.
1: Know. Maybe, yeah, right? Maybe like in 1969, maybe they know that like, fuck, the 21-year-old's taking <laughs> all, the 21-year-old woman is taking all of the talent. Oh, uh, yeah. But you gotta think too, like 69, John Wayne doesn't know it yet, but his real life days are numbered. He's coming to the end of his career anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so maybe there was a little bit of that. Um, I, I was not expecting a transformative Western and the power and coolness that like Kim Darby is. I would put Kim Darby up there with like Sigourney Weaver, and... Uh, in terms of, like, female protagonists in movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, she is Ripley. She is Laurie Strode. Like, she is Sarah Connor. Like, Kim Darby, Maddie Ross, absolutely one of the awesome kick-ass females in a man's like world, you know, going, like in know, like a, around
2: browbeaten adults,
1: especially in a western. Yeah, like women yeah, don't get great representation thing. in westerns, like. Yeah. But Kim Darby, fucking, she stands alone. Like it's fantastic. It's great to not see, not
2: relegated to being a madam or running a whorehouse,
1: <laughs> right? And not and like no, they don't. They try to like stupid kid her, but. Every time she fucking, she bests a Texas Ranger, she bests a U.S. State Marshal, she is yeah, just a force to be reckoned with as a child. It's she her. comes
2: out on top of, like, every conversation. There's, once she gets done, like, running circles around that auctioneer guy, uh, she starts <laughs> asking, she, there's a, she starts talking to him about some, like, other business thing again, and he's, like, like, kind of answers casually and goes, oh, wait, are we negotiating again? And he <laughs> just, like, smash cuts to her walking away counting money. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, like the scene ends with him being all flustered and being like, I don't know what is happening in this conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean that goes to show what kind of a businessman her father was, right? It must be, yeah. She would have had to have picked that up somewhere. Um
2: because she clearly her, like, had bookkeeper or something in the beginning. Yeah,
1: and he's like, "How much money do I get?" And she gives him like 150, and like do, you know, when he when Maddie Ross sends her ranch hand back to the house to help, she's like, "Don't let Mama sign anything until I get back." And
2: yeah, what was that? Yarnell Poindexter. <laughs> yeah, what a weird name. Uh, that guy sounded like he'd been kicked in the head by a horse.
1: Um. Where look so in terms of like in terms of overall satisfaction or like favorite film, where would you rate 1969's True Grit for you? Um, I don't. I'd
2: probably do like somewhere between like nine out of ten or something. I don't. I don't know what a perfect movie would be, but this is this is one of the better times I've had watching a movie for this. Like I said, with like it's up there for me with like things that I watch for this, like The Manchurian Candidate and. The original Thomas Crown Affair and a few others where it's also just the being totally surprised by it, like expecting to be expecting for it to be like kind of middling going in and then just having it blow my socks off is always fun. Hmm.
1: Um, I, I do want to take a sidestep and say also the scenery of True Grit is gorgeous and the soundtrack, like yeah, the, the soundtrack, soundtrack and
2: really the score. Good. And uh, the opening song is a song, it's being <laughs> sung by Glenn Campbell, and it's basically just like about Maddie Ross. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: it's great. Like, I, I could not be happier with 1969's True Crime. It'd be so fucking funny if Matt Damon sung an intro for the 2010
0: one.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, he just was doing a cover of the Glenn Campbell song. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, shit! Whew. Um. So that being said, do you want to hop on the horses and uh, head to 2012 or 2010? Not as much, but I guess that's what
2: we do. So okay. So to uh, like I have the Coen some, Brothers. 2010, True Grit.
1: I have some facts for you, Mr. Cagman.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, when Jeff Bridges was talking to the Coen Brothers about this. Uh, the first piece of direction they gave him was, forget about John Wayne, we're returning to the 1968 source material. Okay. And you end up with a movie that's like 80% identical. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The original author uh, was named uh, Charles Portis, who wrote True Grit. And the Coen brothers followed a book-accurate version of the movie. Sure. Did the Uh, book have all
2: the racist stuff in it? I'm assuming they so. had a the good sense to leave that out in the
1: '69 one, but then
2: 2010 <laughs> they were like, "We we need to go back to the source material. This part specifically."
1: Uh, Fifteen thousand girls applied for the role of Maddie Ross. The part went to Haley Steinfeld. She was 13 years old when cast, and it was her uh, theatrical feature film debut.
2: Damn, what was she? Was she like a Disney Channel or something before that?
1: Uh. I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Pitch perfect. But I, I, I'm i pretty... I think like... True Grit might have been her first... baby? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know her work that well. Um, but early enough to know that she was 13 when she was in the fucking movie, which is like crazy, because I didn't have those kind of chops at 13. Yeah. No. I barely have those chops now. Was in <laughs> middle school. Kind of, uh,
2: not thinking about acting.
1: Uh, so, Rooster Cogburn is supposed to be 40. John Wayne and Jeff Bridges were in their early 60s when they portrayed their uh, roles. John Wayne was 62. Jeff Bridges is 60.
2: Jeff Bridges definitely seems like an older dude. It, like, he seems older <sighs> than John Wayne, even though they're about the same age He's uh, it's the facial oh, hair. It's the facial hair, and then it's, like, also the stuff he does. He just got, like, more old man energy. Like, when he wakes yeah. up and he's just in that big, dirty onesie or whatever the fuck. Right. And he, like, can't <laughs> roll that
0: cigarette and
1: he's spilling tobacco out all over himself. <laughs> um. This is the first Coen Brothers film to gross over $100 million in the United States. Wow. This is, I know! This is I like know! One of their better movies. I fucking know! I was shocked! I'm like, I clearly... Um. So this True Grit. We'll get back to the fun facts, but to give you scope, True Grit 2010 was made between 35 to 38 million. So we'll round up and say 40 million. It made 252 million dollars. Jesus
2: Christ. Okay.
1: Yeah. Right. Um. So in the movie, Rooster refers to La Beef as brush popper and a weedy. Both of those were American West terms for a cowboy. <laughs> okay.
2: Brush popper. That's what we need. is good time, old-timey
1: lingo. <sighs> um, Haley Steinfield was cast as Maddie Ross because of all the kids who auditioned, she was the only one able to handle the sophisticated script. Hmm. And despite her multiracial heritage, uh, the role called for her to portray a Caucasian. But they, they um, got past that. The producer got past that. Scott Rudin. You put that aside. Good for Scott Rubin, I guess. Uh. Um, So after Crazy Heart in 2009, this was the second consecutive film that Jeff Bridges received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor for. However, he failed to win the award. Uh, The eye patch is switched eyes from the movie to the book and the (laughs) remake. Uh, Bridges wears it on the novel accurate version. Uh, in both movies, LeBeef criticizes Cogborn for having ridden with Captain Contre- uh, Quandrell during the <laughs> Civil War. Okay. did they? So did they
2: both fight for the South or Rooster? Yes. Okay, they both did. Yeah. They both did. It's confusing. Because he was fighting for Virginia. Yeah, it's confusing in the first one because it makes it seem like Rooster fought for the Union or something. But no, they were both Confederate soldiers. They're just trying to high road each other about who was in the better militia.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, William Quantrell was a Southern uh, Southern partisan who joined the Confederate Army and fought at the battles of Lexington and Wilson's Creek. Um, he was He formed a partisan ranger unit dubbed Quantrell's Raiders. They were known for using Native American field tactics to ransack Union outposts and included a young Frank and Jesse James among their number. Okay. Frank James appears at the end of the film, having performed with Rooster in a Wild West show. Uh, oh, Quantrell that, was that issued... Was? Jeez, okay. Yeah, when she called, when yeah, an yeah. older Maddie calls him a crook. Yeah, and a, or a trash. Yeah. That's who she's referring to. Uh, Quantrell was issued a commission in the Confederate Army in the rank of captain. Several of uh, his men had female family members in prison in a makeshift jail in Lawrence, Kansas uh, that collapsed killing four of them and injuring several others. Quantrell's group retaliated by attacking and killing 150 men and boys and burning most of the town. Therefore Cogburn's account of Crantrell was largely correct. Yeah.
2: So that's the dude that LeBouf rode with? Yeah. Okay. No, that's
1: the guy Cog, that Cogburn, Cogburn rode, rode with.
2: with ye.
1: Yeah. But when he said that the atta- the burning of the barn was retaliation for oh. an attack, He's actually correct. It sure. was in retaliation.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, I don't know. Again, it's interesting um, watching these two ex Confederate soldiers trying to high road each other about this.
1: <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, the triangle bladed knife found on the body in the pit Maddie falls into is known as an Arkansas toothpick.
2: Oh yeah, it's like a special knife where it makes the wound really hard to close, right? Yeah. Kind of puts a little perforation in there, something. Yeah.
1: Uh. Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, and Haley Steinfeld rode horses, respectively named Apollo, Cowboy, and Chimaran. Uh The animals were carefully chosen and trained by veteran wranglers, Rusty Henderson and uh, Scout Henderson. Goddamn, that's some cowboy-ass names, too. Rusty and
0: Scout.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they could have used those horse names instead of keeping little Blackie. Right.
1: Right, you know, uh, the movie was made and released 42 years after Charles Portis' novel of the same name was published in 1968 and 41 years after the original
0: movie.
1: <laughs> uh, informal American speech in the 1870s was far from contractionless and, in fact, had roughly the same proportion of contractions as it does today.
2: Okay, well, that? why is that in the fun facts? <laughs> just like they used the posture. You don't people. think it's I, fun? I it's sure it's a fun fact. I'm just not sure. If it's like if it
1: needs to be under the True Grit fun facts. <laughs> <first>. <laughs> uh, Rooster Cogburn tells Maddie he previously owned an eatery called the Green Frog. There's actually a restaurant in Jacksboro, Texas, called the Green Frog that's been in business for about 40 plus years. Wow. The $100 bounty that Matty Ross offers uh, Marshall Cogburn would be the equivalent to $3,000 this year.
0: Hmm.
2: Mm, okay. <laughs> I that's mean, good. It's interesting for, like, a month's worth of travel and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, the film was the final DVD ever mailed by Netflix before the operation was shuttered in late September of this year.
2: Damn, that is a fun fact. I like that one. That's cool.
1: So, uh, and then cast member Dennis Hopper died earlier in
0: 2010. Ooh.
1: So So, uh, those are your fun facts for True Grit 2010.
2: I have a fun fact that I just saw on the IMDb page. Lucky Ned Pepper was played by a guy called Barry Pepper in this. That's fun. Um,
1: what'd you think of the Coen Brothers' True Grit? Uh, it
2: was a letdown for me. Uh like <laughs> I went from watching the the original one, and then I think I waited a day, and then put this one on, and I think I, maybe I would have liked it more if I hadn't just watched a better version of it. But sure, law podcast, you know. Uh, that was pretty solid. I like. Haley Steinfeld, Maddie Ross is still cool. I like the um, Kim Darby one more.
1: They made some weird I like Kim
2: See, I I don't wanna do that. Yeah.
1: I I, I was gonna say I like Kim Darby more and I do, but Kim Darby was also twenty one. Yeah, Haley Steinfeld is thirteen. That
2: in there, yeah. Like now now (sighs) knowing that like, cause I thought Kim Darby was like 13 or 14 and the other one too, but now no, yeah, Knowing this is like full on actual child actor, like fucking fantastic. And by the end of the movie, I had, you know, warmed up and liked her more. It was just kind of, you know, sometimes it's jarring when we do this and go from like, go from a movie, sure. like you watch a movie, you're like, whoa, that was amazing. And then like, maybe the next one is still uh, like decent, but it's just like not as good as the one you just watched. Um, right. Well,
1: I, I just want to say too, that the ability of both of these women is fantastic.
2: Yeah, like, like the Mad- the I Ross personally is still very cool and a badass. Yeah, Maddie,
1: Maddie Ross is great. I don't want to take anything away from Haley Steinfeld. Um, I think that for a child actor at the time, she did phenomenal. Not even for uh, a, like,
2: not even for a child actor, she's very good in this too. I just like, yeah, it's just I think it was just going from like the introduction with Kim Darby to, yeah, sometimes I, watching I think... them back to back is not like is not. Giving the best shot to
1: the well, it, the second one. See, I think the problem is too is that this isn't as good as a movie.
2: Yeah, overall, I like it less. They made some weird change. They made a, So okay, I gotta. I don't know if it's just me, but I I feel like I remember the marketing around this movie at the time being like, "This is a fucked up western. It's gonna be dark and gritty. It's the fucking Cohen brothers." They, I think No Country for Old Men had come out like right before this, or maybe a couple
0: maybe it was of years a before, later. right?
1: Wasn't No Country for Old Men like 2007? <clears> that well, sounds
2: right. But, uh, what, like, was it, was that how it was advertised? I feel like it was.
1: I remember the advertising is like the Cohen brothers, New West, like they put a, bu- they put all their eggs in their basket with True Grey. So the marketing was everywhere. Yeah, um, but- it was just a pretty. They like, were making it out normal... to be a like an epic, and then it like ends up just this being was... a pretty
2: normal Western movie,
1: like a little more modernized. Yeah, the... But it's like they tried to paint it like the way Christopher Nolan painted yeah. Inception.
2: Or oh, I was gonna say like the Nolan Batman movies, um, but sure, sure, yeah, it, it, yeah. they had, they tried
1: to give it that same gravitas it's of like, be like
2: an epic Western, is... dark and gritty, and like with the exception like. The movie is pretty light overall, with the exception of the scene in the dugout. Like, that murder happens very quickly, and it's pretty graphic and intense. But, like, yeah. With, with the exception of that one scene, it's basically the same movie, kind of almost toned down a little bit. But times. even then, the violence yeah. isn't shocking because it's a Cohen Brothers film. I was expecting a lot more of it, quite frankly. They just, they, yeah. They just added a bunch of weird shit into it. Like, the like unnecessary the, racism... Yeah, I have a little list of all the, like, all just the added instances of Brewster Kyle. Alex, or- take us down the list. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. These are just the
2: ones that I caught. There might be more, but, like, early on in that hanging now, they have, inter- like, it's two white dudes and a Native fellow being hung now, and they let this one white guy just kind of, like, give a little spiel before he gets hung- hanged, and then they just do, like, they play this as a gag. The Native American guy starts to speak, and he's clearly about to say something about, like, you know, colonizers like occupied land whatever but he like he goes to open his mouth and they just fucking drop him before he can say anything and it kind of played like a gag there's a do you know
1: do you know who that Indian fellow was I is it the Parks and Rec guy it is yeah okay it sounded like you will find him as Ken Hatote leader of the Wamapoke people from Parks and Recreation well I guess he maybe was gonna
2: curse some white people
1: um Maddie still
2: names the horse Little Blackie, but this time she picks the name and says it a bunch in front of this little black kid who's like the... Stable uh, boy? Stable boy, yeah. Yeah. That's in there for some reason. There's a scene where they get to a store in this one, so the store (laughs) happens in the other one too, but in the the old one, they meet two adult men there, and one of them's a doctor, and they get some leads. In this one... We just see the outside of the store. There's these two native kids sitting there and there's a donkey like tied to a hitching post having a bad time. The kids are kind of fucking with them a little bit or whatever. Jeff Bridges walks up and just like smacks the shit out of these two kids and then cuts the donkey loose. And you're like, okay, not the best, but maybe it's okay. They were abusing this animal or whatever. Fine. And then he goes inside and then he comes back out and the kids are just sitting there minding their own business now. And he throws both of them off of this like five foot ledge. And then hits him a little more. I don't know why that scene was there.
1: <clears throat> it's like they also. Ref- so, I there's a scene where someone is being shaved by an Indian, by a native. Yeah. And Rooster Cogburn goes, Why letting this Indian shave you with a blade? Like, trust him with a blade? And it's like, That's not great. That part was weird. There was
2: one that struck me as <laughs> strange. Like, so they. There's a scene where. Rooster and Maddie come across this dude who's been strung up on a tree. He's like, it's a dead body, oh, hung from a tree, right? She yeah. Up to cut the body down so they can figure out who it is. She does that. Body hits the ground. They don't know this man. But then this 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 other native fellow comes by, and he asks if he can have the body, possibly for trade, quote unquote. <laughs> And then just like, what making the it fuck?
1: weirder, yeah, they later. come across a tr- like a dentist who's wearing a bear skin who has the body. Yeah. And he's, he's like, he's like, I traded it to an I traded it to an an Indian fellow who said he came by it earnestly. I already <laughs> took it for the teeth, but I'd be willing to trade yeah. like what you're trading a corpse for what? Yeah. Like what why? You're a dentist. <laughs> what are you doing? Like
2: Why do you have a bearskin? I don't know. I think he's he's a dentist, truly in the old West sense of the word, where like a dentist would like pull teeth and then also like cut off your arm for you and give you an opium prescription. (laughs) Right. Um, There's probably (laughs) an opium addiction, actually. Yeah, they stop interacting with people at this point in the movie. Like they're that's kind of Uh, no, 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 no. You you might have
1: missed another one later. Probably. Yeah. What? What? When? So when Matt Damon and Rooster Cogburn have an unnecessary. Uh, dick swing contest about who's the better shot. Oh right. And Rooster misses his shots a few times. He goes, "This townman must have been selling me bad shells again." Oh. Yeah, yeah. Not but, also not like What's
2: weird is like so this is all added, right? None of this was in the original movie. They were just like we need I haven't to read s- the novel. Spice this up with a bit more Well, this is just, the mind-boggling thing to me is that we have a John Wayne movie, which by all accounts should be the more racist of two versions of anything, right? But, (laughs) why? And this movie made in 2010, where they, like, book accurate, sure, fucking whatever, but I'm sure this movie is a little shorter than the original. I'm sure there's stuff they left out. They took the entire scene where the dad dies and just did that in narration, you know?
0: (laughs) So... (laughs) What are we
1: doing here?
2: Yeah,
1: it's... There's also kind of an uncomfortable scene where it's implied that Matt Damon has his tongue mangled because he gets dragged by a horse. It's not
2: implied. It definitely
1: fucking happens. And then he talks like a
2: fucking weirdo for the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, but that kind of makes my skin crawl because it's the idea of a tongue barely hanging on. Oh, yeah. And, like, Rooster Cogren was going to, like, just rip it off. Yeah, digging his dirty-ass fingers around. <laughs> Matt Damon's mouth after that dugout scene. I The spanking scene is way more uncomfortable now. I don't care. I hope I hope. I hope they got a stand in. I hope Haley I hope Someone on the fucking set was like, "We can't have an actual thirteen-year-old go under a let's simulated just, whipping. Let's just get a scarecrow in here or something.
2: We just need to see I, something." I hope it's getting it. I made I made a little note in here too because so like okay, we should talk to you about like
0: Jeff Bridges
2: for some reason decided to do this wild fucking affectation with Rooster Cogburn. Oh my god! Like, I, his accent is on unintelligible the entire time.
1: <laughs> you were doing the impression you did the up top of the show.
0: That's everything yeah. fucking He's like did. like
2: a less, <laughs> less legible version of uh, fucking the Sling Blade Billy Bob Thornton character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, don't... Had, I turned subtitles on. Even with those, sometimes I was like, what happening?" <laughs> <laughs> and then... After Matt Damon's tongue gets mangled, then you can't understand a fucking <laughs> word he says either. So it's like it's unintelligible Rooster Cogburn and unintelligible Matt Damon. Then Haley Steinfeld is like you can kind of hear what she's saying, but I, I have a little, now Matt Damon is also hard to understand oh, because and don't forget Josh Brawlin has a fucking weird oh, accent too. He does have a wild accent. He's only there for like <laughs> two minutes, but there were some choices
1: being and made. like. He talks like he gets kicked in the head because there's a scene where he's like, "I will ride on the back of the horse. I am not that heavy." <laughs> and then they're all like, "They're like, you can just stay here." He's like, "I would not like that. Like, why are you talking like a sling? Yeah, like why are you talking like Sling Blade over here, why man? Like
2: shot in the short rib, bad child. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: I, I it just it, it's the weird like declaration and the straight talking of like, I would not like that. I do not. I, I am not heavy. I do like." Why? What? Like, and he also who,
2: like flips out who? right before he gets decked in the head by Matt Damon, right? Yeah, like
1: it's weird, and like the big line. So there, there comes a big moment where, like, the big the big reveal, right? Like, Rooster Cogburn is there, and he's gonna shoot those four on one, and the fill your hand, you son of a bitch. Jeff Bridges does not deliver that line the same. And boy, is it, it... comes out real like a fucking wet, like, wet paper towel. Uh, like, I don't... Like, John Wayne, if you look at those scenes side by side, John Wayne's character in that moment is legitimately fucking cool. I think the scenes like, that
2: Jeff Bridges does better are the ones where Rooster is, like, getting sloppy drunk. Uh, <laughs> and John Wayne, yeah. I just, like, talk a big game, but he's not, like... It's not, like, you feel sad for him because of how drunk he is. Uh sure. <laughs> Jeff Bridges is like, oh problem, yeah, for... bud. <laughs> 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 that scene where they're leaving the like they're leaving this camp they made, and then like Rooster is just like fuck he tied one off the night before. They're riding around <laughs> and it's, like his horse is like slurring at speech too. And then Matt Damon's like, I do not believe he slept all night. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's before the big... Sh- that's before, like, the swingin' dicks contest between oh, the boys. Right, right, right. Yeah, really. Um, the talk- and, like, the horse, too. Like, little Blackie's inevitable demise. <laughs> oh, God, fuck. Yeah. So this one,
2: this one plays out in kind of the same way, but they rearranged the order a little bit, and they did a thing. They did a fun plant and payoff where, casually... So, like, Maddie still gets captured by Ned Pepper and the boys and left with Tom Chaney as Ned Pepper rides off to do something else. <laughs> um but there's like just a quick a quick scene where someone like points down and goes watch out there's a pit there and i was like i wrote down in my notebook i was like is this just a fun reference or is that like a plant and payoff thing and then she falls down the pit later um i would have liked it if it was just a joke though but she gets picked by sure. the snake again and then they have to do the mad dash and then yeah so Jeff Bridges rides little blackie very very hard again and what's he how does how does it end how does little blackie
1: meet <sighs> their demise it- In the original, Lil Blackie collapses and just dies like that, like foam on the bit and all that. On this one, and like uh, uh, Kim Darby is like, No, Lil Blackie can't take it. Please, no, please. And it's pleading, but okay. In this one, Haley Steinfield is like, No, like screaming, begging because she can feel her horse like collapsing under its own weight, basically. And Rooster Cogburn is, like, just burning hard. At one point, he takes his fucking bowie knife out and stabs Lil' Blackie in the fucking thigh. To get it to like, go faster. Yeah. yeah, to get it to go faster and harder. So, eventually, the horse collapses. And as Haley Steinfield's like, on the verge of, like, hallucinating from the rattlesnake venom, fucking Rooster Cogburn takes his goddamn pistol out and just shoots Lil' Blackie in the head. <laughs> and it, it, it's <laughs> hey, just, it un- it's scream. like, just Pops, it. yeah, and like she's screaming and trying to fight him, and I'm like, the, "We didn't need. Maybe we don't always have to follow book accurate versions, guys." And like if the whole movie was like
2: grim and dark and gritty, it'd be one thing, but then it's like there's just like these one or two scenes that really
1: come out of left field,
2: like. Like what? I knew the spanking <laughs> scene was coming because
1: yeah. I'd seen the original, so I'm like, "Okay, well the spanking scene is definitely coming." But it is so much more. Visceral yeah, in the 2010 one, and it's worse. It is so much worse. Like, oh god! <laughs> yeah, I didn't like, like that part. It's uh, so much worse, and because like Matt Damon's like, you're gonna now listen to your adults, and he grabs her off the horse, throws her down, like cuts the switch, and like knowing that, like again, now knowing that like she's 13 when that scene happens, I really hope the fuck they got an
2: adult yeah, to sit yeah, in probably, for that. I'm, I'm sure they did. Or, like, a soft so, stick or something. I don't
1: know. And, and, like, Coen Brothers had filming problems with Haley because they couldn't film past midnight. Oh, right. And they had movies. to follow, you know, yeah, they had to follow, like, labor laws and shit because she was 13. Um. So, and, like, some of the, like, and again, like, there's that line in there, too, of Matt Damon being, like, I was talking about stealing a kiss, and I'm like, I don't like the Wester. I don't kept like Wild West. Kept like, that
2: exact same line from the movie. Could have cut uh, it. C- Could not cut like, it knowing that you had a 13-year-old actor? Not since... Yeah. Uh, Who are you, Leonardo DiCaprio? I was like, not since the Martian have I disliked... Or no, he was good in the Martian. What's the fucking... Uh, uh with the Tesseract at the end and stuff. Anyway. Yeah. He's tesseract? Real, he's a real bastard in this. What's It's the space movie with the fucking alright, alright, alright guy. Um. Sure.
1: Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's... I don't don't know, man. I... Okay, let's say True Grit 1969 doesn't exist. Is 2010 a good Western movie? I think it's pretty alright. I don't, like... I...
2: It feels like a Western. They even have, like, the... uh, Oh, God, what's the name of the composer that did, like, fanfare for the Common Man?
0: See, I don't think it...
2: Yes. I th- I mean it's definitely like identifiable as a western <laughs> they have. The, well, I mean uh, it's like,
1: identifiable as a western but it doesn't like here like outside the last like the last two real westerns out there, Unforgiven and Tombstone. They came out in the 90s. I can't think of a western since then that's felt like a western movie. There's gosh. something about the tone or the acting ability that Maybe. it doesn't Feel like a western. I don't I, know if they're missing the scope of the background or if it's the score. Maybe but there's something mad, about
2: maybe we could try the Magnificent Seven next, and we'll see how that one goes. But I, I don't know. I mean, back to I don't know if I, yeah, I was not in love with this movie. I like a lot of the changes, like the ending. I hated. I thought it was so bad.
0: Yeah.
1: So what's the, what's what's the ending of this True Grit as opposed to the original?
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> the rooster makes it with maddie oh god so after rooster shoots that horse in the head though and then he just like picks up maddie and starts running with it yeah. i thought he was gonna fucking die he is so gassed <laughs> immediately and looks like he's about to have a heart attack the entire time um but no that doesn't happen they make it and then it's kind of we do like and then we just start wrapping up in voiceover and uh we cut to a an adult maddie ross Um and okay. Oh god, that fucking uh Iris Dement song comes on and scared the shit out of me at the (laughs) very end. But it basically just ends with there's a voiceover and then Maddie talks about how she got letters from Rooster and he had started writing with a circus basically, like doing trick writing and shit.
1: Yeah, Um, he worked with a Wild West show.
2: Yeah, and then she goes. To one of his shows one time when they're close and then meets two of his buddies and they're like, oh, Rooster died last year. Three days ago. Three, or three days ago, that's what it was. Yeah. But like, what? you're three days late for Rooster. He died. Such a fucking bump.
1: Like, <laughs> it's such a bad ending. <laughs> I don't... Like, it, it's 25 years later. Maddie is a like an old, wo- or quote unquote, like an old yeah. woman now. She's missing an arm because they had to have it amputated. She oh, goes alright. to, like, see Rooster. Rooster is dead. And Maddie is left with kind of that hole. But it's still like
2: happy voiceover happening.
1: Like it. She has it, his oh, body moved to her family plot. Yeah. That, and that, she's like, I don't know if that Lebeef man is still alive. I reckon he'd be in his seventies if he was. I would very much like to hear from him. Credits.
2: Yep.
1: And then we're, and then Iris Dement
2: with that. Yeah, I love Iris Dement, but it's jarring sometimes <sighs> when that voice comes in out of nowhere. I <sighs> uh-huh. it's. I thought it was very, Really let the air out for me at the end Yeah, I don't think the now, narration serves this movie well. I think that was a bad no. choice. The narration at the beginning is worse than just watching the dad get murdered and then yeah. the J.K. Simmons narration ruins the lawyer joke. Now we know he's really yeah. uh And then the narration at the end really kind of just like lets the air out of everything.
1: It, now, I, I will <laughs> say this. Let me put it like this. True Grit 2010 was not a western. It's a movie with a western aesthetic. Maybe, yeah. Like I mean... it's a movie shot in Western times. Uh, the nineteen sixty nine Trigger is a western. Tombstone is a western. I mean... uh, all of the classic like westerns feel and have the western aesthetic music, but they also have the western themes. They have like the the western. Um, Archetypes there, and in modern Western movies or westerns or movies that are set in the West, it is missing those vital character archetypes that make it feel authentic. I, I, I didn't buy. I, I I bought Jeff Bridges as a drunk. Yeah. I didn't buy him as a, a, as like. I, mean, I would a think like grizzled marshal. All that stuff is there
2: in this movie. I think it's just like less well executed. Like correct. It's like because it's like we talked about. It's like basically the same like plot-wise, line delivery-wise, like, not delivery-wise, but just, like, lines, like, script-wise, it's, like, the same movie for, like, 80 or 90% of it.
0: And, and the characters like, are the... the same and
2: unchanged, basically. So, like, all the, like, the the ingredients are there for it. It just kind of, like, fails in execution a little bit. I don't know.
1: Except for... Like, there are a bunch of, like, 310 to Yuma has the remake. Mm.
2: Um,
1: yeah. Magnificent Seven has the remake. Even Tombstone's a remake. Oh. I don't want to so,
2: see version of that without Bill Paxton. I can't.
1: It's a black and white version called "My Darling Clementine" from the '30s.
2: <laughs> My Darling Clementine.
1: They're like the "Paint Your Wagon" musical. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, the Western genre, I feel, is really—it is a dead genre in the same way that like samurai films are gets, a dead genre.
2: I think it, it gets like added as like a like we'll take like some Western movie aesthetics and slap it on to a different genre of a movie. Correct. A lot now. It, 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 like, like, I don't think I'm having trouble thinking of examples, but you have like a Western I mean, zombie movie or like a, right. What about like it, it, bone Tomahawk? What was that fucking movie?
1: Bone Tomahawk was cool. Yeah. Um, but that one, see, maybe but Kurt Russell still? had some hands on that. And Kurt Russell also yeah. was a major pusher I'm just, behind I'm just trying to think like, of other so.
2: Western... I haven't seen... What's the one where... <laughs> um, God, who's the guy you were just joking about dating children? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Leonardo DiCaprio, where he has to like eat that bear liver or something? What's the oh, The Revenant? The Revenant? Is that a
1: Western? I haven't seen it. <sighs> no, I wouldn't call it's it... Like it's set, set in Western, Western times, movie. but I would... Yeah, that, that's a movie set in the Frontier.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like, Maybe, like, I, I agree generally that, like, movies from the 60s and 70s feel like more of a Western. Maybe it's just because it's, like, the golden age of those movies and, like, their heyday. Even Blazing
1: Saddles is a Western. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, not even like, even. It's just, like, straight up a West, like, or it's a semi Westerns. But.
1: but even with the ending included, Blazing Saddles is still a Western. <laughs> Like, it has... All, like, Mel Brooks was able to distill the classic elements of a Western and, you know, turn it on its head into a parody maybe and satire, like, but it's maybe, still, like, a Western movie. Maybe
2: it doesn't feel like as much of a Western because... I don't know. Maybe, like, having auteur directors do
1: Western movies.
2: No Country for Old Men feels like more of a Western than this, though. Like yeah, it do, it really
1: does. It really does. No Country for Old Men definitely feels like a Western. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, it, overall, just, it was a... Uh, it was a
2: serviceable movie, but just not a. It was a downgrade, especially watching them back to back. Like it's not.
1: Um. Yeah, and I, you know, Kim Darby did fucking amazing. Haley Steinfeld did amazing as Maddie Ross in both movies. Um, they're, they're
2: definitely like the high point, especially in the new one where I can't understand anything that her worst <laughs> half is saying for the entire movie.
1: I. Uh... Yeah, and this is one because like I was like, okay, True Grit. I never saw it. Coen Brothers film. Like I like the Coen Brothers. Okay, and man, I, it just like what a wet blanket of a film. I didn't even especially realize especially knowing movies. what was.
2: Yeah, the Coen Brothers thing had slipped my mind too until like I didn't realize until the credits rolled. And I saw the Coen Brothers movie thing. I was like, what the fuck?
1: This is, is not. Yeah, I was you know, like, this Coen is a Coen Brothers. Bro- bro- <laughs> I was like, this is a Coen Brothers movie? I was like, I feel like I'm missing some things then.
2: Yeah, and then I have this little note, because I wrote down, like, as the credits were I was like, this is a Coen Brothers, like, question mark, question mark, question mark, and then, like, probably, that's probably why I thought it was supposed to be, like, super dark and grittier, and then I wrote, heh, in a... (laughs) I just... But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I got... It's wild to me, the rate, like, the IMDB readings on this is, like, The new one's, like, a little higher than the old one, which I don't get. I don't know why. Because it's definitely not as compelling.
1: Maybe more people, I don't know, but... Even, like, even the characters of Rooster and Labeef, Glenn Campbell and John Wayne are better than Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon in this. I do,
2: I think, at points, I like the way that Matt Damon played Labeef a little better. Because he's, like, he, I don't know how to put this. Like, he was such like a heel, like not like outwardly evil, but just kind of like it felt like he would be annoying to be around. But he was like really good at delivering some of those annoying lines that like sure. made me chuckle. Like I liked Matt Damon in this. I thought he, I thought he was a good a good LaBeef. That was a good choice. The Rooster Cogburns, the Jeff Bridges stuff. I don't know. Like I love Jeff Bridges, but this was a weird choice. Like. I Maybe he, like, really wanted to play, like, a character character, like, do a character actor character or something. I don't know, but the... Do we know why he picked that weird fucking accent? Was he just like, this is what a dude from Arkansas would sound like at the time?
0: Maybe? Maybe?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'll do research and report back later, maybe. But (laughs) this is a weird choice, man. It was... (laughs) I feel like I remember some news pieces around the time also talking about how like it was pretty unintelligible.
1: Um, yeah, I, I don't
0: know. Like, it's,
2: but
1: what are you going to do? I don't know. Not watch True Grit again? Yeah. Just stick with
2: 1969? Yeah, that one was excellent. That was really good.
1: Um, when it comes to true grit though, Alex, uh, do you think that they're are you gonna reboot or deboot? Is there a better version of True Grit <laughs> up there? I think the
2: 69 one is pretty pretty perfect. I don't know what I would change about it, really. Like, don't so no, I wanted, I don't want any more of these. I definitely don't want mm-hmm. another co I don't want a Coen Brothers version of Rooster Cogburn, like the sequel or whatever, for sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um <laughs>
1: I mean they killed him right so yeah that's true that's um weird. i you know what i don't think you're gonna no offense to Haley steinfeld i don't think you're gonna get better than kim darby
2: yeah no she was excellent
1: um yeah i'm gonna have to say d i think we already i think we right. have the perfect version already yeah it might not be book accurate which i know a lot <laughs> of the times i'm like i prefer book accurate but if that book accurate is just the racism i don't need it
2: that's maybe one of the wilder things to me it's like why do they at how do we go from a john wayne movie being the less racist of the two it's so <laughs> yeah,
1: i know i don't i don't, get it. I don't know <laughs> um do you have any final words for our audio on our ears uh
2: yeah it's a daylight savings this weekend we're going back falling back so set your, set your clocks back folks a little psa for you yeah
1: Good. That's good advice. Um, and uh, we will see you guys next week. <laughs> that podcast is filling your head with garbage. You should be in school.
0: Well, we better get going. I wonder, will we ever see each other again? Who knows? God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs too. to search for more money.